Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus is Lord. Amen. Father, this morning we worship and adore you. We give you praise, O Lord. We thank you. We bless your name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Lord, this time together, this time in the word, we thank you, Lord, that you are our teacher, our counselor, our comforter. Holy Spirit, come and illuminate our hearts to see and to behold and to know Jesus Christ and everything that is said and done. Grant us that spirit of wisdom and revelation in the full knowledge of him. That we may see him and know him and be changed into his likeness. We thank you, Lord, for ears to hear for hearts to receive what you have for us. We praise you for it. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Isaiah 50, uh, 42. Isaiah chapter 42, we'll probably run through several scriptures this morning, but beginning in verse 1, behold my servant, if we wanted to we could stop right there and speak for a very lengthy period of time on that, behold my servant, take a look at my servant. Feast your eyes on my servant. Get a good look at my servant. Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. Now who are we talking about here? Jesus. Jesus. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. His authority is not in his volume. But a bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. He shall not fail nor be discouraged till he have set judgment in the earth, and the isle shall wait for his law. Thus saith God the Lord, he that created the heavens and stretched them out, he that spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it, he that giveth breath unto the people upon it and spirit to them that walk therein, I the Lord have called thee in righteousness, I will hold thine hand, I will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people for a light unto the Gentiles, to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. I am the Lord. That is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Behold, the former things are come to pass, and new things do I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Behold my servant. Then let's go to the Gospel of John. Chapter 1. John chapter 1. Verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. Who is the Word? Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What you're holding in your lap right now is not the word, it's the Bible. In the beginning was the word, the living word. And that word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him 
and without him was not anything made that was made in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not the darkness cannot understand it cannot overwhelm it cannot comprehend it cannot discern it cannot conquer it down to verse 14 and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth we beheld his glory then in John chapter 17 the same gospel of John a few pages over to chapter 17 verse 24 Jesus praying his high priestly prayer says father I will that they also he's talking about us earlier we see he's praying for all who will come to believe in him through the message of the gospel he prays father verse 24 I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. Behold my glory. Then let's go over to 2 Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 17. 2 Corinthians 3.17 Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's read that again. Now, the Lord is that spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. Behold my servant. We beheld his glory. Father, I will that they would behold my glory. Paul says, now with open face we behold as in a glass the glory of the Lord. And as we behold the Lord, we are changed into the same image conformed into the likeness of this one whom we are gazing upon and turn over to Hebrews oh I love it Hebrews chapter 2 Hebrews chapter 2 verse 6 says but one in a certain place testified saying what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you visit him you have made him a little lower than the angels who is he talking about jesus you have made him a little lower than the angels and crowned him with glory and honor and did set him over the works of all thy hands you have put all things in subjection under his feet for in that he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. Verse 9, but we see Jesus. You ought to be shouting the victory by now. <laughs> Verse 8, you have put all things in subjection under his feet. How many things does all things include? All things. You got it. All means all. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. I mean, just so that we're not mistaken here, the writer of Hebrews says he put everything into subjection to the Son of God. And since everything is in subjection to the Son of God, everything is under his feet, there's nothing that is not under his feet. Amen. 
just so we're clear. But, here we are right now, here today, but now we see not yet all things put under him. But we see Jesus. Hallelujah. And over in the first epistle of John, First John chapter 1 verse 1 that which was from the beginning which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life for the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. Then in the book of Revelation. <laughs> Revelation chapter 4 isn't it convenient all of these scriptures are right here in chronological order for you aren't they <laughs> perhaps there's a reason why that is Revelation chapter 4 beginning in verse 1 after this I looked and behold a door was opened in heaven and the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither. Behold, a door opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither. Come up here. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> When you see behold in the Bible, get ready. Something exciting is about to take place. We begin with behold my servant. We progress throughout the scriptures until we get to the book of Revelation. And now we see an open door in heaven. Which is calling to us saying, come up heaven. Open your eyes. Behold my glory. Behold my servant. Come up, come up, rise up, lift up your heads, lift up your eyes. Flip back over to Isaiah, again where we began, Isaiah chapter 42. The Lord says, I'm going to do something which has been in my heart since the beginning of time, in fact, before the foundation of the world, that is, I want to reveal my servant. I want to reveal my son. You know, it's Christmas time. And we know from the word of God also in Isaiah, it says that unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And it says that of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Of the increase of his government, of the increase of his kingdom. If the Lord allows, perhaps we'll, we'll talk about that some more tonight. But for right now, what I want to impart to you is that the Lord is working all things together toward this increasing of his son. So that Christ fills all things. And he begins by saying, Behold, get your eyes on to this thing. Take a look at this. Behold my servant. This is my chosen one. This is my elect. This is my beloved son. Hear him. Behold him. That is the beginning. That is the beginning of our Christian life. That is the beginning of our Christian walk. If we have a beginning that is someplace other than behold him, we don't have 
the revelation of Jesus Christ. We have a system or a philosophy or a religion or a fellowship or a group or a teaching, but we don't have the revelation of Christ if it has not begun there with behold him. Behold him. Behold my servant. Behold my son. Hear him. Obey him. See him. It is the seeing of Christ that establishes us into that church, that ecclesia, that called out separated assembly. What, what is it that makes us the called out assembly, the church, the ecclesia? What is it about us that makes us a part of that church that Jesus is building? Well, I can tell you it's not because we gather together once or two or three times a week. If that's all you have here, all you have is a support group. All you have is Alcoholics Anonymous. They support one another. If all you have is an interpretation of the Bible or some kind of a doctrinal nuance that, oh, we're Charismatics, or we're Methodists, or we're this, or we're non-denominational. If that is why you are gathered together, you are not the church. What is the church? Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will build my church upon this rock. Upon the revelation of who he is. Peter is not the rock. Get that out of your head. He's not the rock. Peter is a small stone, Petros. Petros means a small stone. Jesus said, upon this Petra, upon this rock, I will build my church. The Lord is that rock. And those comments to Peter were made right after he made the confession, you are the Christ. I see you as you are. Jesus challenged them with the question, who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And some say this, that, or the other, but Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. Flesh and blood, carnal, fleshly knowledge. He didn't go to Sunday school and learn the doctrine of the Christian faith and then make a good confession. No, Jesus said, Peter, you don't even understand the magnanimity of what you've just stated. You don't understand how big this is. You just don't get it. You've made a confession here, but you're not speaking under your own power. The Father in heaven has revealed this to you. Blessed are you, Simon, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but it is the revelation of my Father in heaven. It is a heavenly revelation, not an earthly knowledge, not an earthly fact. Everyone else looks at Jesus of Nazareth, and what do they see? They see a carpenter. They see a baby lying in the manger. They see a Jewish teacher. They see a miracle worker. They see a demon-possessed man who casts out demons because of Beelzebub. They see him as a, as a, uh, a hypocrite, as a rebel against the system. But it took the revelation from the Father to Peter for Peter to be able to see past all of that to be able to see past the outward Isaiah says there's nothing about him outwardly that would impress us nothing about him to look upon him that we would glory in him or that we would be excited at his outward appearance nothing about him that really makes him stand out but Peter by the by the revelation that the father gave him was able to see who he was and that's what it means, behold, my servant. Look upon my servant. How easy it would be just to gather some people together and give them some teachings. But that's not Christianity. Christianity is seeing a man. Christianity is having my eyes open to see Jesus. To see him as he is. To have the revelation. To see the glory. To behold him as he is. And if your Christian life began someplace other than that point, you've got nothing. 
You've got something up here between your ears, and that's it. And what's up here between your ears in your head is not going to see you through these days. It will not see you through temptations and testings and trials. That kind of knowledge is sufficient to carry you through the ordinary times and the common times and the good times, but it will not carry you through testing and temptation and tribulation and persecution and suffering. Only the inward knowledge, the beholding, the inward beholding. I'm not talking about a vision where we have our eyes open and we see Jesus walking in with a white robe. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about that when it pleased the Father by His grace to reveal His Son in me, Paul said. It's not Jesus way up there in heaven. It's the revelation of Christ in me, the hope of glory Amen. in me. The world would just love to have Jesus way up there in the corner, thousand million miles away. Oh, God's way up there. But what is our testimony? This is our testimony that we have seen him. And what we see and what we hear, we declare. We have behold, behold him. Behold my servant. That word behold is beholden by, be transfixed. Be, set your, your, your attention and your focus almost in, in a hypnotic trance, if you will, on this, my servant. Beholden by my servant. Behold. And God says, this is what I'm going to do. Here's how I'm going to exercise judgment. I'm going to send light into darkness. God who commands the light to shine in the darkness. Then we, we have in John chapter 1. Flip back over to there. As we progress forward in, in this revelation of Christ. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Jesus was not just someone who appeared some 2,000 years ago and walked the earth and did miracles and died and was raised again. John goes back to the beginning. He says, in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was Jesus. And we see throughout 4,000, 5,000, 6,000 years of earth's history a progression, a, a constant energy of God moving towards the revelation of Jesus in all of His fullness. So we have in the Old Testament all kinds of types and shadows and symbolisms and typologies of this one who is coming. This pillar of fire and this cloud of smoke that led them and this water coming out of a rock and all of these types and symbols of that Christ who would be revealed. But it doesn't begin with the earthly ministry of Jesus. John goes way back past everyone else and says, in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning. And the Word was with God, the Word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. It looks like, to the outward appearance, that we are in so much darkness, so much tumult, so much strife, so much confusion, so much oppression. But I want you to see here that the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness comprehended it not. They can't figure it out. They can't understand it. They can't come against it. They don't know what to do about it. And all of the blustering around and all of the winds and the waves and everything coming against us. It's only trying to shake us and to test this very thing. But if the word of God is true and it says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness comprehended it not, then we carry that light wherever we go. It doesn't matter what I feel. It doesn't matter what I see. It doesn't make any difference what I believe. As long as I know that I carry this light, greater is he that is within us than he that is in the world. Is that the truth? Amen. Or is that just one of the verses that we memorize. I tell you, the power is not in you being able to quote that Bible. The power is in being able to know that man. Amen. Amen. Anybody can quote the scripture. And what a difference. What a difference. 
just to take a verse and just be able to spit it out. What greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world? But have you ever really, really met that man that you're in union with? Have you ever really come to this knowledge of Jesus Christ that is not revealed to you by flesh and blood? That's the kind of a knowledge and a revelation that no man can give you. It comes from the Father. Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord, creator of heaven, heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent, and you've revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for it was your good pleasure to do it in this way. And then he says, no man can know the Father except the Son, and no man can know the Son except the Father, and those to whom he will reveal him. Hallelujah. Amen. The question is only about, has the Father in heaven revealed to you the absolute supremacy of Jesus Christ? Do you see him and do you know him? Have you come to the full knowledge of him? Well, no, we haven't gotten there. But are you progressing in that way? Or are you content just to have your salvation, have your sins forgiven, and we're waiting for the Lord, we're waiting to all go up into heaven one day? But beyond that, there is nothing that really compels us or really drives us to demonstrate what we say is true. We say that light shines in the darkness, but are we shining? We say that Christ has the preeminence in all things, but does he have the preeminence in us? If he doesn't have it here, how is he going to get it out there? Verse 14, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The word became flesh. And in the same way that God was able to put all of himself and sum it up into Jesus Christ and then put all of that into a little baby. A baby, it says, who grew in favor with God and man. There is always an increase of Christ. He that hath begun a good work in you will perform it, will complete it. He is steadily, always, every day, moving to increase his son and decrease you. <laughs> oh, we're all for increase you, increase the son. But what about this? He must increase, but I must decrease. He must increase, but I must decrease. The word became flesh, dwelt among us, and what? We beheld his glory. We beheld his glory. This man has seen something. What have you seen? What have you seen? I didn't ask you, what do you know? What do you know? What can you tell me about the Bible? How many years have you been going to church? Doesn't matter. I'm interested in what you have seen. Have you seen the Lord? Again, not with an outward thing, not in a vision or a dream. I'm talking about have you had that revelation of Jesus Christ revealed to you by the Father? Yes, I know him. I don't know all there is to know. Just like Paul said, I'm still, I'm not saying that I'm perfect. But I am pressing onward, pressing forward towards that full knowledge so that I can know him, know him. And that Jesus that Paul met on the road to Damascus was so much greater, so much larger than his little pea brain would allow as a Jew, as Saul of Tarsus. And that's the sort of a revelation and encounter that we must have. We must have in order to see us through. If you have a Sunday morning religion, then that's all you have, and that's not a whole lot. We have groups and dozens and hundreds of churches and fellowships meeting every week, several times a week, and it counts for nothing if they have not seen the Lord. If they do not know who this Jesus is, then all they are is a succession of meetings, one right after the other, fulfilling no purpose whatsoever outside of their own selves. When God's desire is that we be increased into him and bear his testimony, that's why it says, we beheld his glory the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And when that same John and Peter were before the Sanhedrin, they said, you judge for yourself 
whether we should obey you or obey God. As for us, we can't help but speak the things that we've seen and heard. And most of us haven't seen or heard anything pertaining to God's Son. That's why we don't have any power. That's why all we have is a teaching. That's why all we have is a doctrine. Oh, just a few formulas. Oh, just a little three-point sermon. We don't have reality. We don't have life because we don't have him. He is not preeminent. We have not given him that place of preeminence. And why haven't we? Why doesn't the Lord Jesus have the preeminence in his church? Because we don't see him as preeminent. If we would see him as King of kings and Lord of lords, if we would behold this glory, what is the glory of God? Well, yes, it's the presence of the Lord, and that's the glory of God. But the glory of God is the revealing of his nature, the revealing of his character. It's the revelation of who he is, the glory of God. When you see that glory, it smites you. It buries you in the ground. I thought I knew him. Saul thought he knew. He thought he knew Jesus. He said, I thought it my duty to do everything I could to oppose Jesus Christ. I persecuted the church. But then the Lord revealed his glory to him. John 17. That is the prayer that Jesus prays. We know the disciples to some extent had some kind of a seed planted within them from the Father that says this is no ordinary man but this is my son. Over and over again even on the mountain of transfiguration when they're up there and they see the glory of Jesus, it says his countenance was changed. He was transfigured before them so that his clothing and his apparel and his countenance was brighter than the sun, whiter than any earthly white can be. It's a heavenly light, a heavenly whiteness, a heavenly brightness. And Peter said, oh, he's trying to figure out what's going on. And then a voice came out of the cloud that says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Do what he says to do. Mary said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Hallelujah. So they had some kind of an inkling of that this Jesus is not just a Jewish teacher, not just a miracle worker, but this is the very God incarnate. This is the son of God. And you can put together all the religions of the world if you want to, but they're going to digress at this one point. Who is Jesus Christ? And if you fail to apprehend that Jesus is God's only begotten Son, that he is the one who has been appointed the heir of all things, you are going to miss out on God altogether. No, we, do not. we might worship the same God. And Muslims, you can, maybe they worship the God that we worship. Or maybe Buddhists do. Maybe there's some higher consciousness. But it's not a question of are you worshiping the same God. It's what do you say about Jesus? Because God has appointed him to be the heir of all things. And John declares this is our testimony. He that has the son has life. He that has not the son has not life. It's as though God is standing up in heaven and all of mankind is approaching to him. And he says, no, you cannot approach me directly or you'd be consumed. The only way I will accept you is if you go through my son right here. Yes, go through my son, behold my servant, hear what he tells you to do. Allow that glory of God to be revealed in him. As you see him, then you will know how you can approach me. And you try to go through and go around and go under and go over through your moral system or your philosophy. Paul calls it vain conceit, deception. Everything must and has to be by and through and unto this one, this son, Jesus Christ. So he prays not only for these alone, verse 20 of John 17, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, and that is us. Hallelujah. Amen. Isn't that good? Mm -hmm. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. There is the glory again. The glory is simply the revelation of Jesus as he is. 
Jesus walking around on the earth as a normal man did not show forth his glory until he was transfigured and then the glory of God. Then who he really was came forth. Not who he appeared to be, but who he really was. And when that the blinders fell off and all of that other stuff was, was moved out of the way, there was a glory and a brightness and, and, and a shining forth and a dazzling display, and that's the real Jesus. Amen. That's him. Oh, he, he's not this little tiddly-wink, itty-bitty person walking around all meek and mild, about three inches tall. <laughs> Absolutely not. When his glory is revealed, when we see him as he is, listen to this, verse 24. Father, I will that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am. Where is Jesus? At the right hand of the Father. Seated in heavenly places, triumphant, raised, victorious over every principality, power, name, kingdom, dominion, authority, rule, in this world, in the world to come, things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth. That's where he is. And Jesus says, I will that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am. Hallelujah. Amen. And Amen. Paul ties right into that in Ephesians 2. He, we have been raised together with him, and we are seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What is so significant about that? That they may behold my glory. That is, that they may see me as I am. Not as the world sees me, but as I am to to see and to behold and to know my glory, the revelation of who I am, the real Jesus, the glory which you have given me, for you love me before the foundation of the world. And then we see that Paul picks up on that when you go over to 2 Corinthians again. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Here is the Christian life. The Christian life is beholding the Son of God and being conformed into his likeness. That's it in a nutshell. That's it. You say, well, the Christian life is reading 10 chapters of the Bible a day. No, it's not. You say, well, the Christian life is going to church every week. No, it's not. You say, well, the Christian life is, is going to having devotions in the morning. No, it's not. You say, well, the Christian... <laughs> she said, yes, it is. <laughs> you say, well, the Christian life is, well, I believe this, I believe that, and here's my tenets of faith. That's not the Christian life. It's Christian doctrine. It's not the life. The Christian life in a nutshell is this. Having once seen the Lord, I continue to focus my being and my affection and my spiritual gaze unto him. And as I do so, I am transformed into his image. Forget about trying to be more like Jesus. You won't get there like that. You cannot get there by trying to be more like Jesus. Some of you maybe have tried it. I don't know. I tried it for many years and I became very frustrated. The point is not trying to be like Jesus. The point is gazing upon him and being transformed into his image. Then see the work is all on him. I'm just a recipient of so much grace, so much work that he is doing on my behalf. Whereas the other way, it's you know, all the time asking yourself, what would Jesus do? And I guarantee you, you're going to get it wrong. You're going to get it wrong. If you try to predict what Jesus would do, you can't even do it in the Bible, much less in, in your circumstance. You don't know what Jesus would do. Oh, what would Jesus do? And then we try to figure it out. No, that's not the Christian life. That's Christian works. That's religiosity. No, here's what Paul says. Verse 16, or verse 17, The Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom, there is spontaneity, there is light. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the Spirit of the Lord. By, by what? By me? No. By the Spirit of the Lord. What am I looking at? I'm beholding the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And what's happening? As I see him, I begin to take on his nature. Yes, it's there, but as I continually fix my, my eyesight, my spiritual affection, and my focus on things above where Christ is at the right hand of God, Colossians 3, 1 and 2. As I do that, I am changed into his likeness. It has nothing to do with turning over a new leaf. 
And here we are the first of the year, we're going to come up with a lot of resolutions, right? Well, this year I'm, I'm going to love my neighbor and, and I'm going to pray for, for somebody three times a week. Well, <clears throat> you're better off just saying, Lord, reveal your son to me. Lord, open my eyes so that I can behold this one. Let, that I may behold your servant, that I may be transformed into his image. That is, as, as a sideline, we have to go over to Romans 8, just as a sideline. As we, as we start to, to sum this thing up here, we have to go over and look at this, Romans 8, and verse 28. And we know, some of us don't know this, but Paul knew it, and you can know it too, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. What is his purpose? For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. Why? To be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That is the purpose of God. That is the reason why all of the things happening to you are happening to you. The cross is doing a work of decreasing you, and the Holy Spirit is doing a work of increasing Christ. And everything can be summed up into that. Everything is decreasing you, and it's increasing Christ. To the extent that you die to yourself and you become alive unto God, to that extent, Christ will be manifest in you. The glory of God will be seen in you. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory of God's not seen in you when you're walking around. Oh, the devil's all on my back. Oh, I don't know how I'm hardly going to make it. Now, how's the, how does God get the glory out of that? There ain't but one person that gets glorified by that, and it ain't God, it's the devil. And for some of us, we glorify ourselves in that. Oh, pray for me. I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, everybody come love me. What you need to... <clears throat> no, you need to get out of yourself and start looking at those things as opportunities to see Christ formed in you. Hallelujah. I, I pray that God will give me a, a, a Christian job so I don't have to be around all of this anger and hostility. But we on that. That's right where you need to be. I pray God would get my spouse straight so that they would be more this or more that. Fooey on that. You need to be right where you're at. I pray God will move me someplace else because I just can't get along with my neighbors. No way. That's where you need to be. Some people need so much of a decrease that God sends them spouses. <laughs> <laughs> totally serious and what happens what happens is people get divorced because I don't love my wife anymore I don't love my husband anymore right is that God's best no some things happen that, that you don't have any control over but my point is this God so much wants to teach you what it is to have this glory of God and to love one another that sometimes the only way he can do it is to give you a constant living companion that's going to get on your nerves. <laughs> Why? Because then you have to learn to love when you don't feel like loving. You have to depend on something that is outside of you. You have to depend on some kind of a source coming from within you that is well beyond just lovey-dovey love, but real love. Because if you can learn to live that one that is closest to you, you can love anyone. But if you can't learn to love that one that is closest to you, how in the world are you going to love anyone else? <laughs> and the ones that are single, I guess they're, they're just holier than the rest of us. <laughs> And all the single people said amen. <laughs> so what I'm, and, and then over in 1 John, we go over to 1 John. So, so what am I saying? Instead of us seeing all of these things coming at us as the attack of this or that, no, it is God going about the work, going about the purpose that he's already foreordained for you to, predestinated to, to do what? To form Christ in you. And it's not going to come any other way. How else are you going to learn how to turn the other cheek? 
How else are you going to learn how to go to second mile? All of those phrases come to us in the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is saying, look, I'm not calling you just to live a mediocre, religious, do-gooder life. I'm calling you to do something impossible. Love your enemies. Pray for the ones that despitefully use you and persecute you. If you're forced to go one mile, go two miles. If someone takes your coat, give them your shirt. That's impossible to the natural man. Impossible. Because we want to defend ourselves. We want to stand up for our rights. We want to go to church and say, oh, look what they're doing to me. God's glory is not seen in that. God's glory is seen in, oh, with great joy, they accepted the plundering of all of their possessions because they knew that they had something better for them in heaven. With joy, they went the second mile. With joy. See, it says that, the, that Jesus Christ, it says that he, he gave himself freely. No man takes my life from me. I lay it down. Hallelujah. Never defended himself, never responded. He was operating out of some place and, and, and something that was higher than this earthly realm. Bigger than what we see. Pilate says, well, Jesus, don't you know that I have the power to let you go? Jesus says, you have nothing except what heaven has allowed you to have. Nothing except what heaven has allowed you to have. You have no power at all except what my Father has permitted you to have. Jesus just saw right through it. Doesn't have to, see, that's why it says, Behold my servant. He won't cry out. He won't raise his voice in the streets. He won't call attention to himself. Look at me, I'm the King of Kings. But just by his presence, just who he is, just his glory. He's, as, he's glorified as much standing there silent at all of their accusations. There's more glory in that than there is when we respond to everything, argue back and forth, isn't there? That's the Son of God. We know that not only does he have the power of God in him, but he has the authority of God in him as well. And when Pilate presumed upon that authority, Jesus said, no, you have no authority except what heaven has permitted you to have. And when they came to arrest him, they said, who are you looking for? said, Jesus of Nazareth, I am. And what did they do? They just all fell backwards. You can't take, you, you, you don't understand. I am the one that God has appointed as the heir of all things. I was before all of this began. By me, through me, and unto me are all things. And I have not chosen this of myself. It is my Father that glorifies me. Because I always do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Hallelujah. Praise God. Then our testimony becomes 1 John 1 and 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life, for the life was manifested or revealed. And we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. What is our fellowship based on? What, let me rephrase that. What should our fellowship be based on? Our fellowship has to be based on this. We have seen the Lord. We have seen Jesus as he is. We have had his glory revealed to us. And I don't mean some, some big light from heaven. That's not what I'm talking about. I hope we're not looking at this in an objective way. I'm talking about I know him. I've seen him. The Father in heaven has revealed to me who Jesus Christ is. He's my Savior, but he's not just my Savior. He's King of Kings. He's Lord of Lords. He's Alpha. He's Omega. He's everything and all things. That is what our fellowship, if our fellowship is based on we're all hurt and abused, we don't have fellowship in him. If our fellowship is based on we all believe the same things, you know, in, in a kind of academic way, we don't have fellowship in him. But you see, if we have all seen something and heard something, and we all get together, it doesn't matter about these other things, there will be a fellowship. Truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. I've, I've said this, I've written this before, and I'll say it here. If we're not connected to the head, if we have not apprehended the head, even if we're gathered together, we're not in unity. If we're not one with the head, 
even if we're gathered together externally and physically, we're not in unity. But if we have apprehended the head, if we are in union with him, then we are one with a body, even if we're not in physical proximity to one another. There is a fellowship that goes beyond eating a hot dog together. That's good, but I'm talking about a koinonia. I'm talking about, yes, a Paul and a Barnabas, a Peter and a John that says we can't help but speak the things which we've seen and heard. That's where true unity comes from. And the reason we have discord, the reason we don't have unity, even among the church, even among Christians, is because we haven't seen the Lord. We've all got our teachings, and we're all camped around the teachings in different camps, but we haven't seen Jesus. And Jesus prays that they would see my glory, that they would behold me. The Lord says, here he is. And then we, we close out with Revelation 4. Revelation 4 and verse 1. After this I looked and behold an open door in heaven. And a voice which said, come up here. Come up here. Come up here. I will show you things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the spirit and behold a throne was set in heaven and one sat on the throne. Immediately. That's where we're supposed to be. Right there. An open door it says, come up here. Get out of the earth. It's not your home. It's just a temporary thing. We're in the world. We're not of the world. Just like I'm in Maryland, but I'm not of Maryland. I'm of North Carolina. <laughs> but in a greater sense, I'm here in the earth, but I am not of this earth. If there is anything that characterizes the church of the New Testament, the book of Acts, the testimony of those apostles and the ones who, who bore that testimony of Jesus and preached that gospel, if there was any kind of a characteristic, it was this. We're not from this world. We don't live like this world. We don't act like this world. We are not looking at things from an earthly perspective. Paul calls it the wisdom of this world. We don't, we don't speak things in man's wisdom. We've seen something. We've seen someone. And we speak God's wisdom. The preaching of the cross is foolishness to them that believe not, to those that are perishing, but to us, us who believe it is the power of God. In our weakness, his strength is manifest. His power is made mature, perfected through our weakness. So Paul says, I rejoice in my infirmities. Oh, these light afflictions, which are but for a moment, works in us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. How can you say that, Paul? Because those very things that are meant to weaken me are actually strengthening me. Because when I am at my weakest, then Christ is at his strongest. When I am out of the way, when I've laid down my life, when I'm at the end of my rope, then there's a grace from God that comes in and takes over. And it is that Lord Jesus, that life, who has revealed himself to me and he is increasing he is increasing and as i am decreased he begins to take the preeminence in my life and then we are living out of our heavenly calling out of our heavenly position not infatuated with the things of this world going back and forth fighting against flesh and blood paul says the weapons of our warfare they are not carnal they are not fleshly but they are mighty through God. And I'm telling you that if you, all of these promises are to the overcomers. You, you look in chapter 3, but all the promises made to the overcomers, to him who overcomes, to him who overcomes, and immediately after these promises are made, we go right into chapter 4 and verse 1. After this I looked and behold an open door. The way is open it is there. It is available to you if you will only get out of yourself, if you will only get out of this earth, if you will only get out of listening to what flesh and blood tell you. Jesus said, Peter, you are blessed because flesh and blood did not reveal this. You can have the right answer, but get it from the wrong source and not really benefit from that. Does that make sense? There, we have all the right answers, but I want to know how did you get that answer? Did you get it secondhand from somebody else, or is it something the Father revealed to you? Because those things that the Father reveals to you, they are spirit and truth, and they will remain and they will abide with you long, long, long after they are imparted to you. Amen. 
But if it is something that you came and heard, I don't care if it's something that I said. Or it could be the greatest preacher in the world could come in here and can preach you the best message in the world. But if you just take that as a thing and it is not spirit and truth on the inside of you, it's going to last uh, maybe a week. We have got to ask the Lord to have grace upon us and to grant us that spirit of wisdom and revelation in the full knowledge of him that we may know him for ourselves. John says you don't have a need of any man to teach you for the anointing will teach you all things. And that Holy Spirit is constantly, always, and forever pointing you back to Christ as your source. Back to Christ as your life. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That's it. That is what God is doing. He is slowly but surely increasing. We're going to talk about that some more tonight, the Lord willing, about how the Lord is increasing this knowledge of his Son Oh, if you look at the world today, it looks like things are just getting bad, getting bad. If you look at it with these eyes, that's what it, it's telling you. But I'm telling you there is a reality in the spirit that is transcending above, over, and beyond everything that you see going on. In fact, the quicker everything on earth deteriorates, the quicker that kingdom will be established. And then we will see Jesus. It says we don't see all things submitted to him, but we see Jesus one day we will see all things submitted to him. That is where God is moving in Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So, Father, we praise you this morning. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. Father, reveal your glory to us. Easy to say, but, Lord, we pray. Reveal your Son. Give us, it in a time of darkness, Lord, in a time of apostasy, in a time of great deception, in a time of falling away, what can we do? We can't argue for the truth. We can't give people the truth if they, if they don't want it. We have to pray, Lord, reveal your son. Just reveal your son. Let us proclaim that testimony that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is preeminent. He is Alpha and he is, he is Omega, beginning and end, first and last. He is resurrection and life. He is faithful and true. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Lord, we're going to declare it. We're going to testify of it. We are here to demonstrate the preeminence of your Son over all things. To demonstrate the sovereignty of your Son over all of creation. Beginning right here with us. Beginning right here in our own lives. So that we won't be tossed to and fro by every wind and wave of doctrine and all the things coming against us. But Lord, I pray that we would rise up. That we would come up out of here. That we would lift up our eyes and lift up our heads unto you the author and the finisher of our faith, looking unto Jesus, looking unto Jesus, and being transformed into his image, changed into his likeness, transfigured and, and metamorphosed by his very glory, by his very presence. Not some external thing that lasts for a few minutes and then fades away, but I'm talking about a spirit and truth reality that is deep in our inner man and that strengthens us from within. Greater is he that is within you than he that is in the world. Oh, Lord, give us the revelation and the knowledge of that truth. Let it get out of our head and into our hearts so that we will live like it's true. And not just mouth it, not just say amen, amen, but it would be real and it would be spirit and it would be life to us. That we would govern our actions and our words and our thoughts and everything that we're doing by that truth. Either it's true or it's not true. Father, raise up overcomers, those who will have that revelation of Christ, who will see his glory and will bring that testimony to a dark world, to a defeated church. Because in you there is no defeat. In you there is victory. In you we are more than conquerors. Lord, prepare and fashion and mold and shape us so that we will be candlesticks light shining in darkness a testimony Lord that the things that we're saying today are not just hyperbole not just metaphor not just theory but we've seen something we've heard something and it's real and it is living so that when people see us they see Jesus and not us not our church not our doctrine not our thought processes, not our flesh, but they see Jesus. 
We praise you, Lord. It's not by might, not by power, but by your spirit. By your spirit we're transformed because we are aligning ourselves with this great work that you have been carrying on from the beginning of time. A plan whereby progressively you would reveal the glory of your Son so that in all of creation we would see him. We don't see all things submitted to him now, but we see Jesus. And we know that a day is soon coming when every knee will bow of things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth. All of creation, a universe, a cosmos. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord again to the glory of God the Father. While we anticipate that, Lord, today in our own hearts, in this place, in this time, we bring you the first fruits. We bring you ourselves. Though we don't see any of this coming to pass, Lord, yet we still proclaim it as true, calling things that be not as though they were because in your mind they already are. Jesus is Lord. He is preeminent. And we thank you for it, Father. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for great wisdom, Lord, that is revealed to us. We thank you for great light, Lord, that is revealed to us in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, Lord, complete the work you've begun in us, and we thank you, Lord. We thank you for it. We would come up, come up here, come up here, come up here and be with me where I am. Come up here and share in my glory. Come up here and sit with me in my throne. Hallelujah. That's where we are, Lord. If we'll just live like it, we'll just live out of it, not hoping that it's so, not trying to make it happen, just living that way. And we praise you for it. May it be so, Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.